So I thought it was ironic that uh, on the weekend where we have some of the most beautiful weather we have received, like all summer, like this is perfect weather, is it not? This is beautiful. We're going to talk about storms and uh, the storms that are around us. And so when, when I drive through the summer, I don't know if you're this way, but when I drive, whether it's on vacation or going somewhere else, um, I'm one of those drivers where there is no stopping till we get to our goal. Right? Like I, it, the kids can be going, Dad, I've had to use the bathroom for the past hour. You're like, just two more hours. You can do it. Right? Like, it's okay. You can hold on. It's no, anyone like that in here with me? Come on, admit it. I'm not the only one. Anyone else like that in here? Okay. A few of you, others of you are looking at people who are not raising their hands. So thanks for making me stand here alone this morning. But, uh, but I, don't, I won't stop for anything. In fact, some of you will be driving sometimes and the sky will look something like... I guess this isn't working, something like that. And you won't even stop, although others will, right? You've seen those who stop, they'll pull up to the side of the road, they'll get to the overpass, right? And in the, at the overpass, they will stop because uh, they want to uh, try to make sure that they don't get in an accident, but then the rest of us, we just keep going, right? And then what do we do in the midst of that? Like we grab the wheel tighter, right? Because when you grab the wheel tighter, your tires adhere to the pavement better, don't they? Right? Like that's just a tip for those who don't, who don't pull it in, right? Like just grip tighter. It'll help your wheels. And then, and then while you're doing that, that's the exact moment that you're, all of your children either need to fight or they need to ask you their one question they've been waiting all trip to ask you right when that storm hits, right? You, you with me on that? Okay, right? And, and that's when everybody else becomes a Christian too, right? Like, God help me, like, get me through this, right? So, so there are storms that hit all of us. Now, I love storms. I actually do love storms. I love it when sit, I'm able to sit inside and it is just pouring outside and you can hear the thunder and, and you, you see the lightning and, and I love storms. But we have a member of our family who absolutely hates storms. That, and, and that member isn't here today. That member is our dog, Willow. So we have this little Yorkie, uh, I call it our rat dog because it really looks like a rat dog. But anyways, we have this little Yorkie and, and that dog absolutely hates storms. In fact, we know if a storm is coming because we can smell our dog's breath from like three rooms away. It is that bad. And that dog will then, when the storm hits, will run over to you and will adhere itself to your leg. And every time you move your leg to get away, it'll just keep scooting into your leg. And like that thing shakes, like uh, if you've ever been to a place where they shake pans of, cans of paint, right? Like that thing shakes like a shaking of a can of paint. Like that thing and it does not stop. Like it just keeps shaking because that thing just hates storms. You know, when it comes to the storms that are around us, I think many times uh, we are like Willow. Like we like seeing storms and it's okay if others have storms because it makes us feel better that we don't have them. But then when that storm hits our life, our life begins to shake and we begin to shake and we hate those storms that come at us, especially the storms that are unexpected. You know, the ones where we don't have that warning sign. We don't see the clouds in the distance. They just pop up, unexpected, unwanted, uncontrollable, and overpowering in our life, where it's all-consuming about what's going on. And when it comes to storms, uh, there are really two types of storms that come into our life. There are first the storms of our own making, and second the storms that are not of our own making, but that just are imposed upon us. You, You know the difference. 
Right? The storms of our own making are, are the storms where we say something or we do something or we've reacted or acted in such a way that we've brought things on ourselves. But there are also storms that are imposed upon us. Storms that happen because of things of nature, storms that happen because of things going on around us, storms that are happening because of the way that others around us are treating us in the midst of what's going on in our life, storms that happen because of sickness and health crisis and financial downturn. They're the storms that are imposed upon us. And when we go through those storms, oftentimes we react with that fear, with that, that panic. And then we try oftentimes to do one of two things. We either try to fix them. We say, you know what, if I just work a little harder, if I fight a little bit harder, if I, if I can fix this one thing, then I can get through it. Or we try and ignore it. I had a high school youth in one of my first youth groups ever. Her name was Jessie Piskey. And she hated bridges, like absolutely hated bridges, to the degree where every time we would be going on a youth trip or a youth retreat, and we would get to a bridge, she would close her eyes and tell me, tell me when we get over the bridge and then I can open them again. And I would look at her and go, what, does it make the bridge go away that you closed your eyes? Like, no, the bridge does not go away just because you closed your eyes. She goes, I just can't see it. Like, if I don't see it, it's not there. I'm like, that's great. But how many times do we act that way with storms? Like if I ignore it, if I bury my head in the sand, if I pretend it's not there, if I pretend I don't have to deal with it, that storm is going to go away until it keeps cropping up again and again and again and we have to deal with it. In our text, we're going to see a storm. But we're also going to see how do we remain calm when the storms of life hit. When the world is raging against us, when our lives have, have all sorts of turmoil and struggles in them, how do we remain calm in the midst of the storms of our life? If you'd open up your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, if you're using the Bible in front of you, it's page 839. If you brought your Bible from at home, um, awesome. We always love it when you, you uh, bring your Bibles from home. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, page 839. Now, understand this. So we're going to see Jesus in the boat. But this episode actually begins at the very, very beginning of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, we see the first instance of Jesus in a boat. Because Jesus is teaching in Mark chapter 4, and it says the crowds were so great that Jesus got in a boat, and they had to roll him out a little bit away from shore. And so that's the beginning of this episode of Jesus in the boat. And he begins to teach them in parables, and he taught three specific parables. All three of them had to do with, with the seed going in the ground. Last week we looked at two of those that focused not on the soil, that's the first one, but focused on the seed and how that seed represented the kingdom of God and how God brings about that kingdom growth. As we go through this section, what we're going to see is, is this section is actually organized. These, these short uh, couple chapters or a couple verses are really organized by three questions. And that's what we're going to look at are, are those three questions that are asked in this text. Verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let's go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they're going from the, the uh, western side to the eastern side. And, and leaving the crowd... They took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. Now, there's two, two phrases there that are peculiar or they're specific to Mark. They're not found in Matthew or Luke. And that was, uh, they took him just as he was, which we're going to find out means they took him most likely as he was exhausted, he was tired, he'd been teaching all day, and he was ready for his afternoon nap. I mean, because Jesus was fully human. And being fully human, he would have needed rest. He was tired. 
But they also had other boats with him. Many times we think that this was just one boat going across the sea by itself, but it says it wasn't just one. There were other boats that were going with. And as they were going together, it says a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. This would have been a very common place on the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you know what, what this looks like when you're in that area of the Sea of Galilee. But if you haven't ever been to, the, to Israel, uh, the way of the Sea of Galilee is built, basically, is it's built in a basin. And it's the bottom of that bowl, that basin structure, so that you have hills and mountains all around on the outside. And then the Sea of Galilee lies at the bottom of that so that you would have the winds who are coming over the mountains to the west, coming into that bowl structure, and they're swirling and having some westerly winds that come as well. And so, so there's all these winds that combine and hit right in that one area so that when a storm comes over the mountains, and remember at that time, uh, they didn't have news stations, they didn't have meteorologists, they didn't have uh, weather underground, you know, they didn't have all those different weather apps that we have on our smartphones, so they didn't see when those storms are coming, those storms would hit them instantly and they wouldn't have a moment to react. So if they were too far from shore, they were going to have to deal with the storms in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. Now, on a clear day, you could easily see from one side to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So don't think Lake Michigan, much smaller than that. But on a, a stormy day, if you're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you really could not see to the edges and you would feel like you were in the middle of the ocean. You just didn't know where anything was at in that moment. So this storm hits and just hits them out of nowhere, unaware to these experienced fishermen. And it began to fill the boat with water. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see that first question? They said, Jesus, there is this huge storm that's going on and there's, there's all this water that's getting in the boat. Do you not even care? How can you sleep through this? And I think there are times when there are storms that enter into our life that we wonder, Jesus, are like you asleep at the wheel? Like, don't you see what's going on? Did you hear what the doctor just said? Did you know what that person just said about me? Did you hear what's going on in my life? Like, God, like, don't you even care? Do you not even care what I'm going through? Do you not even care what's happening to me? Jesus, don't you even care? Are you asleep at the wheel? What we're going to actually see in our text is that Jesus is more awake and aware than the disciples were. Spiritually, the disciples were asleep. They were the ones who were unaware. And Jesus was more awake at that moment than they ever were. And the problem for the disciples wasn't that they went to Jesus. Because that's what we're all called to do. In your time of trial, in the day of struggle, in the day of persecution, the day of difficulty, come to me and I will be with you. Come to me and I will be your rest. Come to me and I will be the anchor for your soul. We have all these promises. And God calls us and draws us to himself in the midst of the storms of life. So the problem wasn't that they went to Jesus. The problem was with how they went to him. Because they didn't go to him and say, say, hey, Jesus, uh, the boat is filling up. We don't know what to do. So we're trusting you. Please save us. Help us. No, no, they came to him in a very accusatory way. Like, don't you even care, Jesus? Don't you know what's going on? Hey, Jesus, there's all this water and this storm. And so, so Jesus, we're, we're at a loss. Don't you care? Now notice how Jesus responds. Says, and as Jesus awoke, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, 
be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great call. You see what he said? He then goes on and says, so he says to them, why are you so afraid? Why do you still have no faith? He says, where's your faith? Why do you have fear? But notice who Jesus turns to first. Jesus doesn't turn to answer the disciples first. Jesus turns to answer the storm first. And what's really interesting in this text, I don't know if you noticed this before, but Jesus actually addresses the storm as if it's a person. Do you notice that? It says, Jesus rebukes the storm and says to the storm, peace, be still. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried that, but if you've ever tried that, that probably hasn't worked, which is why many of you probably have never yelled at a storm while you're driving, knock it off. Maybe your children you have, but not a storm, right? Because a storm doesn't respond to us. A storm, a storm doesn't listen to us. You know, when, when I read through Scripture, one of the things I love about reading through Scripture and reading the same passages over and over and over and over and over again is that you start to see things that, were, that are there that you never saw before. When I was reading this uh, this past week, uh, there was something I had never seen before, and that's this, that there is, are two words in there, in, in the Greek there are two words, in the English there are a word and a phrase, that are used here in a combination that's only used one other place in all of Scripture. It's where Jesus rebukes and says, be silent. There's only one other place where that happens, and that happens in Mark 1, verse 25. In Mark 1, verse 25, uh, there is a a person who is demon-possessed, and it comes before Jesus, and Jesus says to the demon, he rebukes him and says, be silent or be still. And I began thinking, what in the world, why in the world would you have that, like, like, what is the relationship between a demon and a storm that would cause Jesus to act the same way to a demon as he does to a storm? But what's similar, what is the same, is that both are the destructive effects of sin in our lives. They both are. And what Jesus is revealing to us in this passage is Jesus has power over all of the destructive forces of sin that reside in our life. All of the things we have done, all of the things that have been done against us, all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our pain, all of our struggles, all of, our, our, all of the things that, that, that we think have power over us, all of the destructive effects of sin that we think rule and reign over our life and direct our life, Jesus reminds us when he rebukes and he says, be silent to the demon and to the storm, I have power over them all. Because I'm going to go to the cross and I am going to suffer and die and I am going to give my life for you so that no matter what destructive force of sin reigns over your life, I reign over that. And there is power in no other name except the name of Jesus. And he rules and he reigns and he has power over the destructive forces of sin in your life. But the second thing that we see in this text is this, and I didn't notice this until I read it this time. Do you notice that the storm probably listens and recognizes and obeys Jesus better than we do? You ever notice that? I mean, immediately after Jesus says, peace be still, what does the storm do? It like stops, doesn't it? And how many times do we hear the word of God and go, yeah, that is great, that is awesome, and I know God calls me to this, I know God asks me to do this, and and you know he's he's pressing into me to, to stand up and be a part of this, but I'll start next week. And then next week comes, I'll start, right? Like, like, but the storm immediately, like it responds and obeys better than we do. And the third thing, the third thing 
is that fear is not a lack of faith, but fear is a misplaced faith. Notice he says, says, why are you fearful? Where is your faith? Meaning, what have you placed your faith in? Why do you have more faith in the destructive forces of the storm than in the saving forces of your Savior? And I think we struggle with that. Because we look at our struggles and we look at our difficulties and we look at our trials and then we put more faith in the things that stand against us than the one who is in within us. And God is saying, no, I have more power over these things than you have over and anything has over your life. Don't put your faith in the storms of life, but put your faith in the one who is the Lord of the storms of your life. And then we hear the last question. It says, and they, the fishermen, these experienced fishermen, says they were filled with great fear, amazement, awe. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? Seriously, who can do something like this? Like the disciples knew Jesus could do something, but this? Like he can do this? How in the world can Jesus do this? Because the only person that we've ever heard of having power over nature is good Jewish fishermen who understood the Old Testament. The only person we ever have known in the scriptures to be able to do this was God. So who is this man who can do this? Because you see the point of the calming of the storm is for Jesus to reveal who he is to them. In fact, that's the point of all miracles. The point of every miracle in the scripture wasn't necessarily to show the power that Jesus had over everything, but to show the one who has that power, to reveal who he truly was. In fact, we hear that in John, where John says that these things, these signs, these miracles were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. All of these were written so that we may know who Jesus is and we may know in knowing Jesus the power that he has over our lives. And the disciples, they don't get the answer to this question until Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, finally Jesus, instead of them asking, who is this man, says to them, who is this man? Who am I? And, and Peter finally goes, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And they finally start to get it. But they are a long way from that kingdom perspective. But what they begin to see And what we see in the scriptures is this, is that creation's calmness, our calmness, the storm's calmness comes from one place only and it comes from the creator's compassion. It comes from his grace. It comes from his love. The creation cannot still the storms that wage against it. Only the creator who stands over them can do that for us. In fact, all of us, we want verse 39, don't we? Right? Don't we want what happened in verse 39? I mean, listen to those words again in in verse 39. It says this, And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. How many of us want that great calm, right? How many of us pray for the great calm? In our house, uh, after last night, Lean and I joked and we said, you know what, from now on when we send our kids to their rooms for five minutes so we can get five minutes apiece, we're just going to call it the great calm, right? And so parents, there you go. You can just start calling it the great calm in your house when you ground your kids. But, but how many of you want the great calm, right? You want the sickness to go away. You want the cancer to go into remission. You want that brokenness to be healed. You want that pain to be taken away. You want want those things that wage against you to be driven away. Like we want a great calm in our life. 
We turn on the TV and we see terrorism, we see school shootings, we see financial downturn, we hear gossip going on all around us, we see our children making terrible choices, we see natural disasters, and we are like, God, I just want that great calm. But God reminds us that that great calm comes in one of two ways. The first way that that great calm comes is that great calm comes when God reveals to us who he is. And God reveals himself to us and says, my presence is your peace. That by me being with you, that is the peace that you need to get through the storms of your life. That if you know my identity, you can trust my ability. I don't know how many of you have seen those videos, you know, the videos where uh, there was one of Cristiano Ronaldo, so, so he is one of the best soccer players of all time, and, and he puts on all this makeup and stuff, and he, he dresses up so he looks like he's a 60-year-old man, and then he goes out in, into the streets and, and with a soccer ball, and he's like, anyone want to play soccer? And all these guys come up like, yeah, I'll play soccer against you, because they're like 20 and 30-year-olds, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to destroy this 60-year-old man, and then he starts like dribbling the ball around them and schooling them and just making them look terrible. And then at the end, he takes off his disguise and they're like, oh, well, duh, right? Because once you know his identity, you can trust his ability. And when you know who God is, when you know his identity, you can trust his ability to be the one who is the Lord of the storm. But the second way this happens is that sometimes God needs to reform us because he doesn't always calm the storm, but he calms us in the midst of the storm. He doesn't always transform the storm, but sometimes he will transform us through the storm. Sometimes he will remind us that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been placed into our lives. Because storms are circumstantial. Storms are limited, but the Savior is unlimited. Trust in his identity. Know his ability. Understand that your calmness comes from the compassion that God has for you. So our dog, Willow, when our dog, Willow, shakes, and, and, and that, you know, there is only one person in our house that can help that dog, and that is Jessica, it's her dog. And so that dog will jump up in Jessica's lap, and Jessica will pet that dog, and that dog will stop shaking from the storms. And that's what God says to you today. God says to you, sometimes I'll calm the storms, but sometimes I'm going to calm you in the storms. So let me hold you. Turn to me and trust. Understand that I am your lighthouse. I am your beacon. I am your safe haven. I am your shelter in the day of trouble. I am your rock. I am your foundation when the waves beat against you. And I am the one who will bring you here. Follow Jesus through the storm so that you might find yourself on the shores knowing that in the midst of the storm, God doesn't always calm it, but he will always calm and be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the calm in our storm. Thank you for being the rock of our salvation. Thank you for being the lighthouse that brings us safely through. Thank you for being the shepherd who guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you for being the rock and the foundation upon which we stand. In the midst of the storms that wage against us, Lord, bring us calm. Not always because the storm dissipates, but because we stand on the one who is our salvation and who brings us calm in the midst of our storms. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.